15. No. It's uh, not bad to be to, to fellowship, that's for sure. It's not, that's not a bad thing. But let me say I, this before we jump into the actual text of Scripture today. Um, I don't know how many of these... T- you can make stats say anything you want, but as you look at stats, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of pastors resigning every year. Thousands and thousands of them. And the primary reason, this is really interesting, the primary reason is not the money, it's not a variety of things. The primary reason is you. Well, not you specifically. (laughs) And it's interesting because I appreciate the way that you, just even this morning watching you interact with your pastor, that's so important. It really is to love them and let them know that. And this type of retreat that they're going on is absolutely essential. It is just so important for them to go away like this. And I'm glad that you're letting them do that. That is a really, really uh, important aspect of it. So thank you for doing that. He didn't tell me to say that either, by the way. He doesn't even know I'm saying it. But anyway. uh, Yeah, that's right. He might be watching it on the side of the road, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Matthew 15. So we talked a little bit this morning just about the idea of we're drawn away of our own lust and enticed, okay? And it it really begs the question of why are we drawn away of our own lusts? Um, Jesus in Matthew chapter 15 is dealing with um, the fact that the Pharisees love to look good on the outside, but inside... They were full of dead man's bones, as he said, or they were like a whited sepulcher. Um, And he kind of walks through some things with his disciples trying to teach them. And then he says to them in verse 16, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast into the draught? So in other words, it's not what you eat per se all the Jewish laws and so forth, that, that that's not really what defiles a person. Those things which proceed out of the mouth come from what? The heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murderers, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. So again, the Pharisees were all about this ceremonial type of deal. And you understand that the Old Testament, the ceremonial law, was put there to prove to people that they could not obtain their own righteousness. The, the Bible says the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. It was supposed to make us, if you will, like, this is crazy, I can't do this. Exactly. You need Jesus, and that's what it was supposed to do. But the Pharisees had made it all about these outward things. Well, if you do this, and if you do this, and if you do this, and if you do this, then you're good. But inwardly, they were just wicked people. Um, They did everything on the outside, but inwardly they were wicked. Now, if we were honest with each other tonight, we would probably admit that there's been times when we looked good on the outside, but inside, there was some significant things going on. And somebody might say, how are you doing? You're like, I'm fine. <laughs> and inside, it's like, I'm not fine. I've got these things happening. Um, 
The world today loves to say, follow your heart. Let your heart lead you. Be true to your heart. And all those kind of things. But that's not God's view. God tells us some pretty, if you will, disturbing things about our heart. Amy Baker, in a preview of a book called The Passions of the Heart by Dr. John Street, which is a fantastic book, says, Don't trust your heart. Trust the truth of the maker of your heart. What a powerful thought that is. So our hearts can distort our desires. They can distort them in direction. Okay, In other words, things that we should never want and degree good things that we want more than we should. We talked about that this morning too, right? There's legitimate desires that we take to an inordinate past, and then there's illegitimate desires that we have. Um, where does our heart get these things? Well, it gets it from those designer lusts, right? We're drawn away of our own lust and enticed. Well, are we doomed to defeat? No. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 tells us, "...whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust." Jesus gave us the ability to get victory. And that's really important. Um, it's about the struggle of fighting by faith to grow increasingly in the grace purchased for us so that we look more and more like Christ who died for us. That's the deal, is we should be striving more and more to look more and more like Jesus every day. And that happens when we allow our lives to be transformed by this book as we spend time in it. Now, we talked a little bit this morning as well about voluntary slavery or that enslavement that takes place, right? And this starts in our heart. Uh, Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 22 says, His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sin. So, and again, we, we know that aspect of sometimes sin gets us so grasped that we're held by it. That's not how we intended for it to start, but, but we held, we're held by it. Uh, years ago, I heard someone say that sin will bind you blind you and grind you. That's true in the life of Samson, isn't it? It literally bound him, blind, blinded him, and then ground him in the storehouse there. Well, that leads us to some questions, okay, as we look at the Word of God. The first question that I think of, is my heart really that bad? I mean, come on. I, I, is my heart really that bad? Well, let's let the Word of God answer that for us. In Proverbs 6 and verse 14, it says, Forwardness in his heart, uh, forwardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually, he soweth discord. Now, the word forwardness there carries the idea of perversity. Where is the perversity at? It's in our heart. That is, that mind, will, and emotion. The word deviseth means to plan. Now, in other words, your heart plans to do evil. That, that's, the, that's the inclination of our hearts, okay? That's, that's our, our default mode, right? In other words, if, if we don't have the Word of God and if Jesus Christ doesn't continue to change us, our default mode automatically is going to be to do the wrong thing. And the truth is we don't have to do anything to do that. It just goes that way, right? 
what we have to do is fight to not go that way. Our heart is constantly doing that. One author said, people are usually more aware of the surface expression of their hearts than the deeper commitments of their heart. So in other words, sometimes we, we, we know what's going on on the surface, but what's really happening down below? What's the real root of why I want this? And why I'm willing to do whatever, the sin, to get it? Someone else said, everyone walks around unaware of the depths of their sin and in need of God's word to reveal it to them so that they can agree with him, that's God, about it. Now, you, you say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. I, 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 God's had redeemed us. Absolutely. And I'm grateful for that. He has redeemed us. Romans 6 says that we don't have to live under sin. Okay, We, we have the victory. But we need to recognize that, our again, our natural inclination is towards that sinfulness. And if it's not held in check by saturating ourselves in God's Word, that's where we're going. Every single time we're going that way. And it's why it's important for us to be in God's Word. I do a lot of counseling. And I've counseled, I could, I could raise the hair on your heads, probably the amount of counseling I've done. Some heavy, heavy things. And when someone comes to me, it, it doesn't matter what their issue is when they come to me. One of my first questions after I know about their salvation is, how are they, how's their time in God's Word? I've been pastoring now for 35 years. And I can only remember one person who was having a significant sin problem that was consistently in God's Word. All the rest of them struggled to spend daily time in God's Word. And that's why they're struggling in their sin. They're not, this is the victory right here, okay? This, this helps us to daily fight the battle. So how do we really see our hearts? Are we understanding that our heart is wicked? That's its, that's its bent, if you will. Uh, one preacher years ago said our heart is bent to badness, right? Um, it's just that way. And the answer will go a long way and determine our victory over sin. Once we understand that, then we can work towards specific things that will help us. Okay, well, if that's true of our heart, what is our heart's chief capacity? Well, some people say, well, it's, it's to love or it's to this or it's to that. Can I tell you what your heart's chief capacity is? Self-deception. You're like, this is getting more and more encouraging as you go, right? <laughs> but that's what the Word of God says. Jeremiah 17 and verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? All right. So when I think that I know my heart, is it possible that my heart is deceiving me? It is, because that's what God's Word says. That's why I have to let God's Word be the diagnoser of my heart. Okay? And I have to say, okay, God, what, what, what's happening here? Um, in other words, we have this form of blindness sometimes about what our heart actually is doing to us. We have to be careful with that. So do we recognize the self-deception of our heart? By its nature, we don't do that. Therefore, we need God. Okay. Now, um, just, as, just by way of an illustration... I was, I think I was just under 30, and um, 
woke up one night really sick, um, went to the restroom, uh, and completely passed out. And then my wife tried to help me. I went into a convulsion. Um, she called 911. Um, her dad died of a massive heart attack when she was 14. So this was in her mind. Her, her husband lay in there. And so EMS comes, hooked me up to heart monitors. First question out of their mouth was, do you have heart problems? And I said, nope. He said, well, you do now. <laughs> I was like, okay. Well, to make a long story short, I have electrical shorts in my heart. Okay. Basically, I should have a pacemaker. But they're like, we're not putting a pacemaker in somebody that's 30 years old. So they gave me a pill. I did well for a while, got off the pill because my heart was doing well. And then I had another incident. This time when I got to the emergency room, I drove myself there, by the way, which is not a very smart thing to do when you're having heart problems, right? <laughs> um, they gave me, I forget what kind of shot it is, but it's a shot to restart your heart. And they gave me a nitroglycerin pill, and then they gave me another shot, and another nitro pill, and then another nitro pill. And you're like, wow, that's a lot of medicine. <laughs> it is. And then my heart stopped completely. Like, the only thing I remember was them yelling, heart. When I wake up, she's standing over me with the paddles getting ready to hit me. And last, I mean... I've never been through this, but I've heard that you don't want to be awake when they do that to you, <laughs> right? It's bad enough when you're not awake, right? So I was like, I said to her, hi. She said, you're back. I'm like, mm-hmm, please don't hit me with those things again, right? Okay, you say, what does that have to do with anything? I, I don't understand what's going on in my heart. I didn't even know till then that our heart actually has a fuse box in it. Okay, you remember the old fuses? It's it basically what it is. And there's electrical shorts that run all through your heart. And it causes different chambers of your heart to beat. Okay, so the two upper chambers of my heart have electrical shorts, so they won't beat right. Right. So if you put my heart, typically, it's, it's better now, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. But in those days, if you'd put my heart on a monitor, instead of boom, 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 my heart was... I'm not exaggerating. That's exactly what it sounded like, right? And you're like... I don't think that's good, right? Okay, so what ended up happening? My doctor gave me a bottle of pills. Now, I don't have a clue how a pill can tell an electrical short in my heart how to beat. I, I, I don't have a clue how that works. For the life of me, I can't figure it out. But I've been taking those pills now probably 15 years that's my guess. I wasn't, I've been pastor at the church. I was youth pastor at the church I'm at for 18 years. I've been pastor there almost 11 years. And it was before I was pastor. So it's been at least 11 plus years. Never had another incident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, now, I don't know why that happens. But on the side of my bottle, it says, take as directed by physician. And when I do, my heart works perfectly. I got up this morning in the motel, opened my little pill box, took my pill. Not because I understand all that it's doing. I just know it works. Okay? 
Can I tell you, we probably need a little sticker on this that says, take as directed by physician. Right? Because we may not understand all that the Word of God is doing in our heart, but the great physician does. And so he says, we need it. Desperately, we need it all the time. And that's really the big deal, and that's important for us to work through that. Okay, so yes, our heart is that way. So we must allow God to judge, if you want to use that word, to look at, to diagnose our heart. The Lord in His goodness to us gave me one of the best heart doctors on the East Coast. Uh, he is a Korean doctor. I can hardly understand him, when I, but he's fantastic. And uh, he comes in and says, you do okay? I'm like, I'm doing good. EKG look good? Yes. You take aspirin? Yes. Good. You need anything? Nope. I rescribe. He gives me the pills and I walk out the office. I'm like, this is good. We're, we're good, right, with that old process. I allow him to do what needs to be done to me, okay? When we think we're okay, allow God to judge our heart, to diagnose our heart, right? Proverbs 16 and verse 2. And all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. So again, let God do what he wants. People tend to rationalize their motives, their behavior. God understands. He discerns both of those. A person may think nothing is wrong with what he does. Outwardly, it may seem innocent, but God knows the heart. What are the motives behind this? What are the actions that are putting forth there, right? Again, another verse in Proverbs, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the heart. Okay, so why is church so important? And why is timing God's word so important? Because when we do those things, it allows this book and it allows the preaching and teaching of God's word to do its work. It diagnoses us. It says, oh, that is pretty cool. Now, um, I actually have an Apple Watch on. And my church just bought this for me, okay, which is really cool. But this thing has an EKG on it. It actually can alert me if my heart goes into AFib, which is what, I, what my problem is, which is incredible. So there's times when I'm like, eh. Matter of fact, this weekend, Lisa and I have talked a little bit. My heart normally on medicine beats eh, 65 something like that. We got in the elevator this morning to come to church. She said, have you checked your heart? And I'm like, oh, I think it's fine. I was like, oh, it's beating 102. That's probably a little bit faster than it should be beating right now, you know. I think it's your dry weather. Yeah. All right? Higher elevation. Higher elevation could be too. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought about that aspect. I know dehydration can do that process too. And we can't drink enough water. Like, we think we're dry when we get below 50% humidity. <laughs> but you are much lower than that, apparently, right? <laughs> All right um, so we must actively allow God to diagnose our heart. It's good for us to even say to God, God, am I okay? What, what's going on? Why, why do I want this? Why am I having this desire? Why am I resistant to this? Why is that passive scripture make me feel uncomfortable? Those are good questions to ask our lives. Now we know from our text in Matthew 15 that the heart is the control center. So from the heart proceeds all of these other things. All right, and that's important for us. The Bible says, "As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he." That that's what he is. Okay, we're we're not just one aspect. One author says it this way: people's 
problems are not either spiritual or psychological, not either mental or emotional, not moral or social. They're all intertwined. We're moral agents who conduct ourselves from a singular response system from which they are responsible before their Creator. That's why I said this morning, what we believe matters. Okay? What you believe about all kinds of things will dictate your actions. I'm talking all kinds of things. Things you don't even think about. But it dictates it because you believe a certain thing about whatever it might be. All right? uh, my daughter, uh, my, our oldest daughter, they have a, a small farm. It's, they have a pig and they have chickens and my grandson's raising turkeys. Um, and they have three or four cows, something like that. He, yeah, they're boarding one and different things like that. And they had a calf that was coming, and they could not wait for the calf, and um, it ended up being stillborn, okay? which is, that's just part of it, right? Um, but they had to figure out, okay, what's wrong? And they ended up trying to figure out what was wrong and then realized if we don't get this calf out of here, it will take the heifer's life as well, right? Um, so sometimes... We don't even fully understand what's happening, but we're responding from a single system of belief. Right? So my daughter and them, this is brand new to them. They're just getting into this. So I have a farmer friend down the road, and they called and said, hey, she's trying to calf. Can you come? Well, this guy had been farming for, I, I don't know, a long time, probably 40-plus years. And when he walked on the property, he knew immediately something was wrong. Why? Well, he, he, he had a belief system. He had watched things unfold, if you will, from that. So we all have that. And that's really important for us to understand how much of my belief system is based on God's Word. Now, I didn't ask you how much of your belief system you say is based on God's Word. How much is it actually based on God's Word? Okay. So, so here's, here's, an, here's an illustration for you. A lot of times, people will come and ask me, Pastor, I believe that God wants me to do X, whatever it might be, okay? Now, they don't have to come and ask me those questions, but if they want some advice or whatever, they may do that. <clears throat> and typically, not all the time, but many, many times, I get something like this. I feel like it's right. Okay? Now, question. Can your feelings be wrong? Yeah. <laughs> You ever felt one way and that wasn't what really reality was? Right? You ever felt like, man, it just seems like everything's going bad, but that wasn't really the reality. But, but you certainly felt it, right? So I'll say to them, do, do you have a Bible verse? And sometimes they look at me like, are you crazy? And I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> well, you're making a decision, a, a critical decision in some cases. Do you have, does God's Word? Now, does God's Word tell you what kind of vehicle to buy? It doesn't. <laughs> okay. But God's Word can give me principles to live by, can't it? All right. Um, maybe the vehicle I'm going to buy is going to put me so far in debt that I have to take a second job, and as a result of that, I miss church all the time. Okay, so, so now I'm like, okay, does God's Word speak to this? Well, yes, it potentially does. Now, if you got a second job, I'm not criticizing that. I'm just saying sometimes we have to because of circumstances or whatever. But we probably don't need the $80,000 truck 
if it's going to result in that and therefore our spiritual life, right? Those kind of things that I can say, okay, well, what does God's Word say about this? Where's the priority in the process? So I had a man come. He's like, Pastor, um, I'm praying about a job change. And I said, okay. And he said, it's a good job. The only problem is I'm going to work every Sunday. And so I said to him, I said, okay, what Bible principles do we have that can help us with this? By the way, this guy had five little kids. Um, and I said, how's this going to impact your children? And I just began to ask him some questions, okay? Now, there's some principles there that will help them, all right? So, so what we have to do is we have to say, not what my heart feels, because we've learned my heart can be deceptive, okay? But what does God's Word say? And in the midst of what I'm doing, does my life, my decisions, my thinking process line up with God's Word? Okay? And if it doesn't, then I want to line up with God's Word. And we talked a little bit about that this morning, right? <clears throat> so, if I am fearful, okay? Now, fear is a natural thing. There are some things we should be afraid of. And then there's sinful fear, okay? So if I have, if I'm afraid, and it's 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 not a natural fear, um, do I have some Bible verses that tell me some things about it? Well, it tells me the Word of God says, "What time I am afraid, I should trust in Him." Okay, so I can trust in God. Um, God hath not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Okay, so if, I'm, if I've got this fear attacking me, where might it be coming from? It might be coming from the devil, right? Because it's not coming from God, right? The Bible tells me that fear hath torment. Anybody ever been afraid so much so that it was tormenting you? <laughs> like, yeah, we've been there, right? So those are Bible things that line me up. And you're like, Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, no. I'm really afraid, okay, but how you're thinking, does it match with God's Word? This is what I tell people to do often. I want you to take a, a chart, if you will, just draw a line down the middle of a page. On this side, I want you to put what thoughts are dominating your life. What do you keep going back to, okay? And as I look at those, and typically there's, you know, it's centered around a particular subject. Okay, so what, what thoughts are dominating my life? then I want to put a Bible verse out beside those thoughts to see, does it match God's Word? Okay. And the Bible says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Okay, so what can I do? Can I take these thoughts? Does this match? If it doesn't, then I want to, I want to match it with God's Word. Okay, so then I line those verses up and now I begin to memorize those verses so that my thoughts that are wrong, I can match this verse. So when this thought comes in that's wrong, I'll say, no, God says this. Well, this, no, God says this. No, God says this. And I, I line it up with what God's Word says. And that, that's really what I'm trying to, to get you to see. And if you'll do that, it will help you tremendously. You're like, okay, well, what if I don't know? What, what if I've got this thought and I don't know if it's right or not? Okay, we'll get some help. That's that's where brothers and sisters in Christ can come in. Your pastor can come in. Say, does God's word say anything about this thought? 
Well, yeah, it does right here, this verse or that verse or whatever, and that will help us as we kind of work through that. Now, I'm just going to take a few minutes uh, to do this. Um, I'm just trying to watch the clock. Pastor Rick said 7.15 approximately, something like that. Okay. Um, We respond three, really three primary ways. Let me give you two aspects of this, okay, because I think this will help you, okay? Okay. there are three, if you want to put them in categories or types of sin in the world. Okay? There is general sin. That is, we live in a sin-cursed world. Okay? Um, if you get stung by a bee this afternoon or tonight, doesn't necessarily mean that you sinned. It may just be that you live in a sin-cursed world, right? I mean, things happen in this world. Okay? And everybody's under the general sin. The second type is sin against you. That is, someone sinned against you specifically. They lied about you. They, in, in a number of counseling situations I've been in, there's been sexual abuse. That was sin against someone. The victim had nothing to do with it. They just sinned against them. Okay? Then the third category is sin we commit. Okay? That's, that's what we do. Right? And how we respond to those are, are going to be important. Right? Now, sometimes... When we're sinned against, we sin because we respond wrong to when sin's against us. Okay, so someone lied about us. So what do we do? <laughs> we react in anger to them and we go tell them off or whatever it might be, right? Well, now we've sinned. You're like, well, they lied against me. But you understand that their lie doesn't excuse your sin, <laughs> right? That That's part of that process, okay? And when it comes to our heart, we, we really respond three different ways. We respond with a thinking heart. Now remember, the Word of God, when it uses the word heart, it's referring to our mind, will, and emotions. Okay, All of those are part of our heart. Right? It's what's really happening. So there is the thinking heart. Um, we, it's the center of what we do. It's the source of our whole, our whole life, right? Um, Matthew 9 and verse 4, And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? Okay, so there's, there's the thinking part of it. Um, my heart believes certain things. The way I think will impact my actions. And we've already said that a couple of times, but this is important. Let me, let me give you another. I'm trying to illustrate this for you. Okay. My wife, let's say, pours me a glass of orange juice. Okay, I happen to love orange juice. Okay, if I believe that orange juice is good for me, it's got vitamin C in it and so forth and so on. She pours me a glass of orange juice. My belief system about the orange juice impacts how I treat her. Why? Well, she pours me a glass of orange juice and I say, wow, babe, thanks. That, that was really sweet of you. But let's say that I believe that orange juice is bad. It's loaded with sugar. And if you're diabetic and you drink a glass of orange juice, you, you might keel over, right? I mean, like, I mean, orange juice is loaded with sugar, and some orange juices on the shelf are loaded with natural sugar, and they add sugar to it, okay? So uh, orange juice is bad. Now, I don't really believe that, by the way. I'm going to drink orange juice. But if I believe that, and I believe that ultimately this kind of orange juice could kill me, and she pours me a glass of orange juice. 
Do I react to her differently? Yeah, why? Because my belief system. I believe the orange juice is bad. Did her actions change? Not one bit. Okay? But what I, how I reacted to her changed based on what I believed about her action. Okay, that's really important. Sometimes we react to brothers and sisters in Christ because we assume they think a certain way. What the problem is, is that we think a certain way. And we've got a wrong issue going on in our hearts and lives that need to be dealt with. Okay? Why did Cain kill Abel? The Bible tells us because Abel's actions were righteous and Cain's were evil. Sometimes when we jump on somebody and when we judge somebody, it's not because their actions are evil, it's because ours are evil. We've got the problem. That hurts, doesn't it? (laughs) It's like, oh man, you mean I'm the problem? (laughs) Yes, a lot of times we are, okay? So that's the thinking heart, right? How I respond to certain things. Um, The second thing is the feeling heart. This is our emotions. Um. The Old Testament specifically attributes feelings and emotions to the heart. The New Testament does the same. Matthew 5 and verse 28. But I say unto you, whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her have committed adultery already in his heart. That's an emotional response. Matthew 6 and verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Right? John 14, 1. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Stirred up, agitated. All right? Emotions are the surface expression of a deeper desire and values. We go back to our illustration of orange juice. All right? I'm emotionally reacting to her as well because I believe, I think that she's trying to kill me. Now, is she really trying to kill me? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, she just poured me a glass of orange juice, right? And sometimes she doesn't know what I'm thinking. And that can be a problem, all right? Um, the things people get most actively worked up about emotionally, whether positive or negative, we ge- are generally the things that we want most. So we have emotional reactions. We do what we do, we say what we say because we want what we want. And that's important for us to understand. Now, let me address the few men in the room. Men, sometimes I get men who say to me, I'm not emotional. The lady in my life, she's emotional. I'm not emotional. Can I tell you, man, we are emotional people. We express our emotions differently. Okay? But we're emotional people. I I, I love it when guys say to me, yeah, I'm not emotional. And I'm like, well, what what do you mean by that? Well, if if my wife has, if, if my wife has something go wrong, she cries. If it's happy, she cries. If it's sad, she cries. If it's a normal day, she might cry. Right, exactly. Okay, you got it. All right, that's, that's, that's her, okay? Particularly when I was a younger man, when something emotional happened, do you know what I did? I would typically go punch something. You're like, well, that's not very good. I, I got that, All right? But that was an emotional reaction. We're... 
we just express that differently. Okay? Um, that's really important because God made us emotional people. That, that's what we are. By the way, Jesus wept. David wept. Paul wept. Jeremiah wept. So we, we have to be careful. So emotional responses. Okay? And then there is um, the intentional heart. So there's a thinking heart, there's the emotional heart, there's the intentional heart. In other words, I make willful decisions that may overcome things I would not normally do because I want it so bad. Again, go back to our text in Matthew 15, 18, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and defile the man. John 13 and verse 2, And supper being into the devil, and having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Okay, so we make choices based upon the loyalty of our heart. What's really happening? Now, this is interesting. You don't have to know a lot about our criminal justice system, but I want you to think about these reactions. Does our criminal justice system deal with people when it comes to punitive judgments differently based upon some of these things? Yes or no? They do, right? Does, is someone treated differently in a penal issue if it's a crime of passion versus premeditated? Right? We, we, we deal with it differently. Um, we can see these things played out. By the way, our general laws and things were based on Scripture. Okay, The general system of government and so forth was based on Biblical roots of things. They understood some of these things. Right? In other words, there's a difference when in the heat of a moment I say something or do something because I'm having an emotional reaction and when I think through and plot and plan to do something. Okay? And that's what, that's what we're talking about here. Okay, So we have, we have the thinking heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Right? We have the emotional heart. How do I respond when emotions come up? Then I have the intentional heart. I'm doing this intentionally. Both good and bad. Okay? Um, all right. Let me tell you something else about my lady. All right? She pretty much hates to drive. Okay? So, uh, <laughs> all right? Pretty much hates to drive. She pretty much hates to do a lot of things on her own. Okay? So... I did not speak at the ladies' retreat. You can guess why, for a number of reasons, right? So why am I here? Like, well, you were going to speak here. No, I'm here because she needed me to be here so that she didn't have to worry about speaking five times and navigating an airport by herself, right? That was just like, okay, that's too much. Pastor Rick told me, he said, next time in your area, call me. So I did, and so I'm here preaching to you anyway. So it worked out, and we're grateful for that. However, she didn't like to drive. She doesn't like to do things that are scary. She doesn't like to do things that are new. But if one of her daughters is in labor, a couple of states away, she will drive through the night in a blinding rainstorm and find a hospital that nobody knows where it's at and find her daughter. Why? Because her daughter needed her. What's that? That's an intentional heart, right? It's also an emotional heart. Right? She, she's working through that. So what she otherwise would never do, she's doing because her daughter needs her. 
Like, did you make that story up? Nope, she did it. <laughs> Just like that, right? To a place, and we're still like, how did she do that? Because this is not her at all, right? But our daughter needed her, and she did make the birth, by the way. She made all our grandbabies birth until COVID. Yay, right? Uh, but anyway, you know, so, so what our heart does makes a big difference. Jesus says, from the heart proceeds all of these things. Okay, how does this impact us? Well, when I do something that is sinful, I need to ask myself, what did my heart say? What was it that I was trying to accomplish? What was my heart really wanting out of this process? Because it could be I have action A, but what's really happening is way down here in my heart. It just exhibited itself in action A. And I may get rid of action A, but it may exhibit itself in action B or action C. What I want to do is solve this problem. Because if I solve this problem, it automatically deals with these other things. That's why Jesus is telling his disciples, look guys, it's not what you put in your mouth eating. That, that's nothing. It's what comes out because that re reveals to us what's really happening in our heart. So, who can do the best heart surgery on you? That would be Jesus. He knows exactly what's happening. He knows why. He knows all of that. And that's why it's really good to ask him, God, what's going on? What's really happening in my heart? What, 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 am, I, what am I seeking after? Do, do I have some kind of motive going on here? And you know what's amazing about the Holy Spirit? He'll tell you. <laughs> if you really want to know, he will tell you. And, and I, I love this because there's times when I'm standing at the back door at my church and I have people come out and say, Pastor, I needed that message. When you made this point and they walk away and I'm thinking, I don't remember making that point. <laughs> what happened? The Holy Spirit of God took a truth from the message and applied it directly to them. And I'm grateful for that. I'm just going to tell you, I'm not smart enough to know all the people and all their problems, but the Holy Spirit is. He's absolutely smart enough to do that. And that becomes the diagnosis that you and I desperately, desperately need. Okay, I don't know if you guys normally do this, but any questions about that? I, I know I covered a lot of material. I didn't want to try to overwhelm you. But we got about three or four minutes here. Any questions that may help you understand a little bit of some of the stuff we're working through? Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, I came, I came to Jesus six years ago here. Okay. So um, I think that one of the biggest questions that I have when we talk about matters of the heart and things like that is that whole feeling thing because Mormons are very much like you'll feel it and everything is based on feeling and not yes. so much on the Bible. Yeah, right. Very, very little on the Bible. They kind sure. of like neglect that and they have their Book of Mormon. But I think that coming out of that and coming into more um, doctrine focused, you know, yes, like, yes, focused, absolutely. What, what is the, you know, Okay. How do you tell the difference in like what how do you not get deceived by your own feelings? Okay. So how do you get deceived? Don't get deceived by your own feelings. Okay. Number one simple truth is your feelings cannot contradict God's word. Okay, so that's that's and I've had people say that to me. But I feel it. I'm like, I 
I try to be kind about this, but I don't really care if your feeling disagrees with God's word, right? Let God be true and every man a liar. So if my feelings and and my feelings have <laughs> deceived me as well. So that would be the very first thing, okay? The second thing would be, well, what if it's not clearly laid out in God's word? Okay. Um, well, the Bible has given us a conscience, okay? And a Holy Spirit enlightened conscience and a biblically enlightened conscience can give me what's right and wrong in areas that aren't clearly laid out in Scripture. And I can obey that. But I'm the one who knows whether or not I'm walking with God, right? Whether or not I've actually prayed about this situation. Um, and if it is, and if it's, if it's enlightened by God's Word, I'm spending time in God's Word and I'm listening to the Holy Spirit of God, and I, God doesn't give me direct direction, but I feel like I should probably go that way, I would obey that. Because Paul says that he didn't disobey his conscience. All right? Herein do I exercise myself to be void of offense towards God and man. He stands before um, uh, the Roman government and says, I have lived in all good conscience unto this day. Wow. That is a huge aspect. Okay, Do I encourage people? Um, I've got some, some people who are fairly new Christians, and they have at times disobeyed their conscience. And I always warn them that that's dangerous because you don't want it to become seared. Even if your conscience is instructed wrong, you still want to be careful about it. We want to get it right instructions, but I don't want to constantly disobey what my conscience is telling me. I hope that makes sense. So not dismissing the Word of God. The Word of God absolutely comes into play with that. And it does, when you grow up in something that's feeling-based, it does take a while to get that out of your thinking process because that, again, is your default mode, right? It just is what you go to immediately with that. So. Yes, well. excellent. Safety in a multitude of counselors. So, like going to your pastor or yep. godly people you know and asking them. Yeah, what, what do you, does this make sense? Am I, am I? Is there something in the Bible that contradicts this? Right, that don't know? right. Because sometimes, sometimes we have things in the, that we didn't realize were in the Word of God, you know, because we're still, we're all still learning it. There's been times when in my Bible reading, I've come across something that dealt directly with something I was praying about. And I'm like, oh, God, I didn't realize you made that pretty clear right there in that text of Scripture. So I think that's, a, that's an excellent question. Very, very good. All right, anyone else? Okay, it's been great to be here with you today. Honestly, we, my wife and I walked out of here this morning very encouraged uh, just to know that God is doing a work here. Uh, just as a, it's a neat thing, you know, and uh, sometimes you get, people get discouraged when you know you get your own little bubble and you wonder what all is happening out there in the world that's going on and yet you come to a place like this at least for us and it's like hey God's doing a work all around the world and I love that it's just so exciting uh, to be a part of that so all right just dismiss then is that okay let's close in a word of prayer father we're grateful for your word oh how we need it so desperately I, I need it every day to just let it saturate my heart and life Help us, Lord, to apply these truths, and we love you in your name we pray. Amen. All right, good deal.